Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. I protest. I am not a merry man. The Bob Seska Show. I feel your pain, Worf. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, Feb 1, 2022, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 378 of the Biden-Harris administration, 280 days until the 22 midterms. I'm on Instagram. The Bob Seska is my handle over there. And I'm on Twitter at Bob Seska underscore go. Oh, and there's Buzz. You say Buzz there he is. You've said it all. Good day to we you, are, sir. We are not merry men. We'll just get that right off the bat. <laughs> I know. Speaking Hi. for myself, I'm rejecting all merriment today. <laughs> Hi, Bob. Hi, Hi. everybody. Hi. Uh, he, he, of course, is Bob. I'm Buzz. And we've pulled all our music off Spotify. <laughs> Yeah, You'll have, our songs can be found elsewhere. Now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, it's uh, it's February first, and uh, we're already sick of the cold weather. Uh, everybody's complaining about it, but uh, I thought this was telling. Uh, the biggest Republican complaint mm-hmm. is that when it gets this cold, it's a lot harder to start a book fire. <laughs> God damn those bastards! Unbelievable uh, cancel culture. Yeah, tensions are running high uh, worldwide, really. Uh, the U.S. and our NATO allies are sending weapons to Ukraine to help it defend itself against Russia. Yeah. Uh, all our allies except Germany, because, you know, far be it from Germany to go to war. <laughs> the world, Bob. The, the world. world. The world. Yep. Uh, Mitch McConnell's mad that Joe Biden gets to pick a Supreme Court judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, McConnell says it's unprecedented to confirm a justice this close to a full moon. <laughs> And as of today, it is official. A little before the show, quarterback Tom Brady is is retiring from football. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, here's how much things have changed in the NFL. Uh, Tampa Bay says it wants to replace him with a qualified black woman. <laughs> Didn't Damn see it. that coming. I, and uh, Rocky Mountain Mike inspired this last joke because okay. uh, you know uh, Rocky Mountain Mike loves uh, the space program. He's covered mm-hmm. launches in broadcasting, and yeah, uh, well, he and scientists are excited about the the success of the James Webb Telescope. Yes, uh, they say this technology may allow us to see the beginning of time, mm-hmm. where they expect to find a young Keith Richards. <laughs> 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 Turn their heads and cough. I'm terrified they're in my way. 
sing along at home. Take a dangerous, dumb course to the coroner in your life. <laughs> Make your white dreams crumble fast. The virus has time to make you its wife. <laughs> Cause this time you're out of time, your time, and now Fox News has captured your whole brain to you. Surround yourself with dumbbells. Move away from squares. <laughs> Send an Instagram to me and hashtag it with no help. My favorite part. Oh, yeah. The great Rocky Mountain Mike, Rocky MNTN, Mike on Twitter. Holy shit, one of my favorite bands. Yes, right there. Okay, so um, I'm in a strange mood today, mainly because yeah. I'm, I'm concerned that I've been exposed to uh, COVID. And there's nothing specific. I don't know that these other people had COVID. I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself here. But um, Buzz, I'm sure you know by now, I think I've mentioned to you in the past, that uh, around the time uh, that we all thought everything was going to go back to normal, after we'd all been vaccinated or the vaccines had started rolling out. Five minutes, yeah. Yeah, last April, uh, May, June, somewhere around there. In consultation with Kimberly, because we both live here together, we don't want to expose each other, so we always consult with each other when it comes to adding new things to our COVID-era pandemic routine, things like Mm -hmm. going out to different places and so on. And uh, for the entire duration up to that point, I had been doing all of my exercising here in our apartment with dumbbells and all that crap. And once we got to that point where the vaccinations started rolling out, I said, do you think we can do this where instead of working out in my office <laughs> mm-hmm. that I actually start going to the little mini gym, sort of the hotel size gym that they have here in our apartment building? Right, right. Is that safe enough, do you think? Because there's no one ever there. It's almost right. always empty when I go True. down there. But there's enough equipment that it goes beyond what I have here in the house. I see. Okay. And so that's when I started going to the, uh, the little mini gym here in our apartment complex. And... It's been great so far mm-hmm. until yesterday. I was there about midday, you know. Somebody showed up. <laughs> yeah. Not only did somebody show up, six different people showed up, and they oh were all God. staff at the apartment complex. First, there were four maintenance guys, and they were working in some sort of uh, little closet alcove where they, mm-hmm. I guess there was some sort of a mechanical room right off right. the gym. And they were in and out of there. And then there was these two women who looked like, I don't know, they looked like someone you would find, a couple of people you would find in Moscow in 1982. Like little women with babushkas. And they were carrying boxes of paper towels. So they were like maintenance, also maintenance people. And not a single one of these six people were wearing a mask. (laughs) And so... I'm standing there in my mask uh, at the equipment watching this cavalcade of unmasked maintenance people parading on through. 
And I thought, okay, well, if they just walk through and then leave, I might be okay. But they didn't. They started hanging around. And then the way it happened was the two uh, babushka women left the room but locked the door behind them. So the four maintenance guys, also unmasked, come parading out of the little mechanical room into the main part of the gym, but then they can't get out of the gym. There are two different doors leading into the gym. One of them was locked, and they're completely stymied by this lock. How do we get out of here now? And I'm standing there freaking my shit because not a single one of them is masked. Uh, the office was right upstairs with all of the regular leasing agents and so on. Right. Why are they allowed to walk around inside unmasked while we're in the midst of this giant Omicron spike? Now, here's the additional <laughs> crisis on top of that. Uh-huh. Oh, who do I complain to? Do, do I complain? Do I say anything? Do I want to piss off? the maintenance crew, knowing that I need them to come to my apartment sometimes to fix our shit. And so I'm completely boxed in. I didn't say a word to them. And I know, you know, for example, I know Jody Hamilton would have said something to these guys. Why don't you, can you please put on a mask? But these guys are the guys who have to come into my apartment building and fix our water heater, fix our microwave, right. you know, right. check you, on the require, fire alarm. Do you require them to wear a mask when they come into your apartment to do oh, that, or do they do that yes. automatically? Well, they do, they do it. it. Yeah, they do it automatically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, All right. So, but in this situation, they did not. Right. Uh, well, you did the right thing by by leaving. Um, you know, I whether it's worth uh, starting a fight over, especially when you need these people. When I, whenever I went to work for a radio station, I always made it a point to become good friends with uh, the chief engineer yeah. and and if there was one a janitor mm-hmm. because they hold all the power yeah uh they, they you know if you want to get something done mm-hmm. those are the people that they yeah. have a good relationship with absolutely uh, you know so no you don't you don't want to sour that uh, look you're you're triple vaxxed Mm-hmm. You're you were wearing a mask. Yes, I was. There there was some distance between you and those folks. Mm-hmm, they yeah. did have the door open and closed a lot before this before they got locked in. Yeah, they yeah. believed they were locked in. And how bright is that? Um, <laughs> they just but, they were so baffled by the locked door. They're standing there just staring at it. It's like the Velociraptors from Jurassic Park. They knew how to open the door. These guys completely stymied by a door and a lock. <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah, so th- yeah, no, I th- and it's unfortunate that any of us, and I'm sure you can relate. And I found myself in a high risk situation mm-hmm. recently. Uh, to my surprise, I was kind of caught off guard, and I wore my mask when I could on that occasion. I believe the room was fairly well ventilated, and yeah. uh, uh, you know, I uh, I'm, I'm vaccinated. Yeah. So hopefully, between all those things, I mean, think back to the beginning of the pandemic when I carried my infected stepmother to the car. Oh my god! Uh, and I didn't get it then, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying you know you, you is something you can take risks with, but sometimes we we find ourselves against our will in a high risk situation, and. Uh, yeah, you've got to find the right response. Uh, I, in my situation, I responded as best I could, mm-hmm. and and I'm vaccinated. In your situation, you responded as best you could, and you're vaccinated. Yeah. So, I you know think the odds are on on your side if that's any consolation. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've been through the entire process already. I'm I'm over it by now. The paranoia of feeling like I've got COVID because as soon as I got back to my place after that all went down, I'm like. 
Oh, do I got? I feel feverish. Oh, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. and so, You've like, been, it's been all paranoid. Kimberly, that's, that's what caused that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's mostly psychosomatic. So you yeah, know. I mean, and I had yeah. like a, a sort of a symptom a couple of days later, and thought maybe this is it. And then it, before the day was gone, the symptom was gone. I mean, right, it wasn't right. even. It, it was probably something in the air. You know, could have yeah. been anything. I've had pretty good luck over the past couple of years with uh, interacting in public spaces with people who are all wearing masks i haven't had any situation where like a bunch of people walking around without masks it just never has occurred it's, at least in my experience and, until yesterday it's like yeah i guess this indicates that people really are over with this and they're willing to get it willing to get it over and over and over again for some reason but yeah, uh, it's still it's still out there and now yeah. a variant of this variant is out there and yeah. you know we don't know what it's going to do it may be even milder still we, mm -hmm. we hope we we you know there are some scientists who believe this will be an endemic uh, disease yeah. before yeah. the year's out but what this whole conversation is about really to me is anxiety yeah uh the anxiety you felt in your situation the anxiety i felt the anxiety uh, most of the people listening to us mm -hmm. have felt at some point in this pandemic. And uh, I, I was reading about a, a kind of an analysis of, of why, if the economy is going such gangbusters, and by nearly every account it is, yeah. uh, why is everybody focused on the inflation and all doom and gloom? Well, we know that the media has directed them there yeah. uh, because the media sells doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also because of this anxiety we feel from the pandemic. We're yeah. not in a mood to be forgiving because mm -hmm. of the, the frustration we feel in our everyday lives with, with this kind of anxiety that you've just described. That's very true. And it's augmented by this latest poll from Monmouth, which is uh, immensely frustrating to see. Apparently the done with COVID movement is a real thing. I said on Thursday's oh, yeah. show that I wasn't sure if it was a real thing. I, Bill Maher has been talking about it. Obviously, Barry Weiss on Bill Maher's show was talking about it. I know I've discussed it with Tom Nichols and a few others, but I didn't really realize that it was a, kind of a nationwide supermajority kind of thing oh, until this oh, when, until when this poll. Yeah, when Democratic governors met with uh, Joe Biden yesterday, or when governors met with Joe Biden yesterday, they, their message to him was, "We need to say this is over. We need to we need to end this." Yeah, a bipartisan group of governors yes, said right, that. Right which is just confounding to me. Uh, there's this movement now. I don't know if it's an organized movement, but it's, it's no. on several fronts where people want to ignore Trump and ignore COVID, just delude themselves into thinking that these yeah. two things do not exist and that somehow that's going to make them magically dissipate into the, the blackness we, of space or something. I don't know. We've we mentioned before on this program that uh, people have tuned out. Uh, people, good yeah, people, yeah. good people, good Democrats have tuned out, or they they feel like they're good Democrats, and and maybe in some aspects they are, but they've had enough. They're, they've tuned out. Mm -hmm. uh, our uh, predictions about uh, this next election could be the last yeah. uh, sound too dire to them to mm -hmm. be credible, uh, and because they've not been paying attention as we have, uh, they don't buy into it. Now, hopefully, the prime time uh, television highest hearings will help and believe me the january 6th committee has a story to tell has a story to lay out 
Uh, this thing's going to be formatted. It's going to take you through the whole process. Uh, mm-hmm. We 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 got bombshell news yesterday about Trump's involvement in oh, yeah. uh, in, in the attempt to to uh, seize the voting machines. Now we find out that uh, it was the Department of he first went to the Department of Justice, and uh, William Barr said no, can't do it. Uh, he went to then Rudy Giuliani at Giuliani call uh, first of the Pentagon and try to get them to, and nope, they wouldn't do it. And then he called uh, Ken Cuccinelli over to Homeland Security and and uh, on Trump's behalf, and no, Cuccinelli wouldn't do it either. Yeah. Uh, but So Trump used, tried to use three branches of government to, uh, to uh, you know, to hang on to power. It's immensely frustrating. We've got more than 1,000 American deaths per day occurring. Oh, uh, yeah, so we're, we're still over 2,500, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going down, but mm-hmm. that's what it's still that many every day. And this bipartisan meeting of governors with Joe Biden, uh, Asa Hutchinson, the governor of Arkansas, said the U.S. should move toward treating the virus as endemic, asking Biden to, quote, help give us clear guidelines on how we can return to a greater state of normality in order to move beyond the pandemic. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, a Democrat who also attended that meeting, added that, quote, we're not going to manage this to zero. We have to learn how to live with this. White House officials, meanwhile, have reportedly grown so frustrated with the Health and Human Services Secretary uh, saying he is, quote, taking to to a passive a role in what may be the most defining challenge to the administration. But we're not at a point where we can live with this. In fact, thousands of people are dying per day with this. And it used to matter. It used to matter when you'd have mass death like that, didn't it? After 9-11, that really mattered, didn't it? We made efforts to make sure that didn't happen again. Some of those efforts were came in the form of overreach. Some of those efforts were reasonable to uh, curtail terrorism. But we never got over that. We never said, you know, I'm just, I'm so sick of terrorism. Let's just give up on the whole goddamn thing. Uh, It it doesn't happen. I'm so glad that we didn't do that in the midst of two years into World War II or two years into the Civil War, where we're just like, oh, I'm so I'm so over this Civil War thing. I'm so over the whole thing with secession and emancipation. Let's get just be done with it. No, we're not. We didn't do that. Thank God. But somehow now we're giving up at the worst possible time. Now, look, I understand. Giving up and and maybe uh, easing back on some of the restrictions and mandates and so on, the protocols, if we're at a point where COVID is just sort of receding into the background of things that might kill us, things that might make us sick, not necessarily this front of mind thing that's killing uh, thousands uh, of Americans every day, packing ICUs to the point where people who don't have COVID can't get the care that they need. Right. This is not the time to be pulling back, and it's not Joe Biden's fault that we're not. It's delusion that is leading us to this conclusion that, oh, my God, we just have to ignore it. Seventy percent of uh, people polled on this agree that it's time that we accept COVID is here to stay and we just need to get on with our lives. 28% disagree. Uh, Among Republicans, 89% agree, 9% disagree. Democrats, 47% agree, uh, only 51% disagree. 
Independents, 71% agree mm-hmm. and 26% disagree. That's astonishing levels of delusion right there. Yeah, it's something to remember in this election year is uh, those independents, those numbers for independents on a number of topics yeah. lately have matched very evenly the Republican numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. In other words, independents are looking more Republican to me right now than 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 Democrat. Yeah, uh, yeah this is... You know, it's unfortunate that people can't accept the idea that the science evolves, the science changes. We had, as you were mentioning, we had we were having three, uh, 9-11 numbers every day. We're losing yeah. over 3,000 people every day. Yep. It's down to 2,500 or less now. Uh, and and it's it's shrinking, but as we mentioned, there's uh, there are other uh, variants out there. We don't know what's ahead, uh, but uh, in many places, the, the ICUs are overrun, and and people who need care for other conditions are being turned away. So yeah, it, it's too early to back out. That all being said, from a practical standpoint, perhaps from a scientific standpoint, but certainly from a practical standpoint. We are going to have to learn to live with this. Yeah. Uh, not yet. Uh, I think, you know, we're so eager to get out of this. We all are mm-hmm. that, that we're eager to accept that narrative that it, that it's over. Uh, and I don't know that there's anything you or I or anybody else can do to stop that trend. Uh, we just have to continue to be safe and have those days of anxiety. We've lost our grasp of uh, delayed gratification. Right. We don't strive for that anymore. We don't embrace that ethic That's anymore. That's societal we, change. Yeah. We want it now. We want it immediately. If we order something from Amazon.com, we want it on our doorstep that day. And any right. delay, it's like when our phone glitches out or something like that and the little wheel starts spinning and our Wi-Fi is out. Oh my God, why can't this signal come back to us from space? You know, <laughs> we, we want it immediately and if we can't have it immediately, then we've got to shoehorn it into being immediately whether that's a good thing or not. And look, uh, I want COVID to go away. You have no idea how badly I want it to end with the protocols and the worry and the, you know, the staring, looking over our shoulder all the time. I want to get back to normal more than anything. But you can't do it if it's going to exacerbate the problem, if it's going to make you sick, if it's going to make the people around you sick. You know, we're going to end up, uh, I remember back, uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but uh, there was a, a blizzard, a particularly harsh winter, and David Letterman was doing this ongoing bit where he would talk about on his show the endless cycle of freezing and thawing. And he would do freezing, and then Paul would play along with music, freezing and thawing. We're going to end up in this endless cycle of not freezing and thawing, but spikes and then retreats and then spikes, ebbs and flows of these massive variant spikes. Uh, Dr. Erwin Redliner was talking about that on the Stephanie Miller show. Yeah, he called it an ongoing game of whack-a-mole. And uh, we're just going to pretend that thousands of people dying when those spikes occur every single day is just going to be no big deal. It doesn't matter as long as it's not me. That's fine. And that's psychotic as far as I'm concerned. We are deluding ourselves. Obviously, there needs to be something to address that. That needs a fix. Yeah. And and so better parenting, better education 
Aside from that, I don't know what we can do about that. But I don't those know either. Things are are key, especially education, which yeah. is in crisis. Well, we're uh, on this show and elsewhere, certainly on the Stephanie Miller show. We're paddling upstream now, obviously, with this. If you're talking about seventy percent of the American people, Democrats, Republicans alike, going, yeah, let's just fucking ignore it and you know cross our fingers and hope it disappears. You know what I compare it to, Buzz? It's like this attitude that we see on Twitter and social media where people just don't want to hear from Donald Trump anymore. I'm talking about political junkies. I'm not, I mean, right. I get it. Average people who are just taking their kids to soccer and doing the day-to-day things. They don't want to be bombarded with Trump all the time, but people who follow politics are just like, don't you dare put that statement up on Twitter and criticize it endlessly or make fun of him because that's going to it's gonna make Donald Trump famous, don't you know? <laughs> when he's already fucking famous, he's already in charge Infamous. of this massive movement of right-wing terrorists who uh, are plotting the next insurrection based on what he's saying. So this has been a thing for me, as you know, for uh, quite some time now. Ignoring Trump, ignoring COVID will not make them go away. Just not the way it works. That's not how life, that's not how the real world functions. True, true. I Like I said, I think in terms of Trump, I think the hearings will help. Uh, yeah. As for the pandemic, I think uh, if 70% of the people believe it's over, uh, I, I really, I'm not sure that's fixable. Yeah. yeah. I, at some point, I think we have to accept that as the reality of it. Mm. And I think, and a lot of science uh, backs this up, that uh, the... Omicron or the, the the COVID virus is on its way to becoming endemic, like the flu. The flu kills thousands of people every winter. Uh, COVID will kill thousands of other people every winter. Yep. Uh, in much the same way, it'll it'll get like that. But as you point out, we're not there yet. So no, you and I and a lot of people listening will continue to mask and and uh, feel comfort in our triple vaccinations. And, uh, you know, wait, wait for that day, wait for that day that it becomes endemic yeah. uh, and, and, you know, reassess from there. Uh, but, but uh, you know, there's even though we're ridiculed for it, uh, I, I, you know, stick to your guns on just staying safe. Yeah. And I don't want to exacerbate this too much, Buzz, but as long as people continue to ignore it en masse and just try to delude themselves into believing that it's gone and that we can just get back to normal, even though we haven't done the diligence required to get to that point. Um, it's going to restrict what the rest of us do, no matter how safe we are. That's going to keep those of us who are aware of the protocols and want to adhere to uh, some form of safety in the face of a potentially deadly pandemic we're being screwed by the people who are deluding themselves, by the people who are just saying, fuck it, let's just take the chance. Undeniably true, but unless we can turn around that 70% of people, here we are. That's true. And you know what? That's absolutely the realistic take on on this because there's very little that can be done at this point. I feel like we're just caught in this Sisyphusian uh, endless loop of pushing the boulder uphill and then it rolls right back down again. There's no way that (laughs) you and I or Stephanie Miller or Kimberly Johnson or Jody Hamilton can sit on our podcasts or on social media and turn the tide of 70% 
back in the other direction. It's just not going to work. So what do we do? I guess we just continue to do what we have been doing to the point where, um, you know, what have we been comparing it to, Buzz? I think uh, in the past there has been, there's some sort of fable about the, about two mice and the one mice prepares for the winter and the other mice oh. you know, plays all summer long. And the, the winter. The, the, uh, those mice were, uh, one was an ant and one was a grasshopper. Okay. Then it was in yeah. you know, one, right, one of the right. fables, one of the original fables. And <laughs> close one enough. Prepared, mice, one prepared for winter and one did not. That's right. That's right. It was like the, I, I could have sworn it was like the country mouse or, or the city mouse or something or like that. there's the little red hen, you know, who will help <laughs> me pluck the wheat. You know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But it's like that. We're going to sit and we're going to, you know, make sure we've got our masks and we're going to make sure that we're up to date on our vaccines and that we're following some sort of protocols here while everyone else is just like fuck it we're done and well hopefully you know hopefully in the years to come when the political fervor surrounding this disease dies down and i think it will uh maybe we can make uh the the uh, the covid vaccine as routine as Mm. the flu vaccine and maybe we can get people to do more of both that's that would be my hope through education and and propaganda and whatever we need to do. But yeah, I think we, all of us on our shows can continue to preach what we're preaching and practice what we're practicing and hope for the best. Uh, Try to be a good influence. Uh, uh, You know, uh, wear wear your uniqueness as a badge of honor. Yeah. Oh, I at least feel good that, for example, Howard Stern is on board with us. Yes, Howard Stern's yes, taking yes. no shit in all of this. Howard Stern yeah. is being immensely aggressive about the shirkers, about the anti-vaxxers, and that makes me feel a little bit better. That that makes me feel like we have some solidarity with someone who has a colossal voice in all of this, who yes, has yeah. immense influence over a large, large audience. So at least there, there's that upside. Hey, look, we got Howard Stern. So there's, there's that. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm listening world, to myself and I'm going, oh shit, it's worse than I thought. <laughs> no, the, Yeah, exactly. The world is upside down. It's an it upside really down is. world. It really, really is. Well, we're going to talk about uh, all the shit that Donald Trump confessed to here uh, coming up on the show. Including uh, something involving Mike Pence. We have to talk about that. Plus, you know what? we got to talk about free speech absolutism. You had a debate on social media regarding this. about. I, uh, I believe you you described it. You, you called it a debate here very politely, but as you, as you have referred to them before, I think it was more like a shovel fight. A shovel fight. And, and, right. and I was in it by myself, and people were ganging up on me. It was horrible. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. Welcome to my world. That's uh, just about every day for me on Twitter. Absolutely. Uh, today, here's an example. Example of the shit I get into today. I made a casual nothing joke about Guy Fieri and the fact that he's working with uh, one of the beer companies on a Super Bowl ad. And I was like, uh, I made just some ridiculous joke, a throwaway quote tweet. And I couldn't believe it. Guy Fieri has stands on Twitter. It's amazing. All the Guy Fieri bots came after me. Like, hey, hang on a second there. I know it's a joke, but oh my God, he does so many great things, Bob. Like, you know what? I just did a two-word joke, with the, and one of the words was farts. 
I, I, you can tell that I wasn't. All right, never mind. It wasn't wasn't your best moment, but you didn't deserve the beating you took. How's that? <laughs> well, I was okay with the joke. The joke was fine. <laughs> I, I stand by the joke. It's just that I had no idea that Guy Fieri had these uh, like yeah. Bernie style oh, supporters. Call, you should have called me. I could have tipped you off. It's uh, it's just a third rail, Bob. You don't want to touch that. The Guy Bots. I don't know. I don't know what you would call them. But uh, we're gonna get into all of that stuff. Lots of Trump stuff here. Lots of insurrection stuff still to come. Why? Why? Because he keeps pulling the bell and we keep having to make all the stops. That's why <laughs> he's not going away. I, I, you know, I, I don't know whether he's going to run for president. I don't know whether he's going to be successful at that. But in the meantime, he runs a massive and dangerous movement. Uh, but yeah, he's he's kind of a thing. And I just, uh, you know, I'm just I'm frustrated with this barrier head in the sand. Kind he's of still a threat. Yeah, uh, just absolutely. Simple. Yeah. Okay, uh, back with more show right after these words. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax. The way car buying should be. Bob Seska. All-time favorites all day long. Don't wait. For a second chance Cause it's not there Don't blame The other side I'm really not sure Who's there We've lost this battle Too long We should be shooting Stars Yeah, this is a great uh, Tim Mahoney. I'm kind of ashamed to interrupt this. Yeah. It's a brand new track. Uh, it's called We Should Be Shooting Stars. It's a protest song against gun violence. Uh, excuse me, the, the goosebumps. Uh, got a link in the description to support this single. Support Tim Mahoney at uh, bobseska.com. Just look for this episode. Click on it. Bobseska.com and uh, scroll on down and support uh, Tim Mahoney. I yeah, I yeah. love that. Brand new uh, Indie Music Countdown dropped yesterday. 16 yep. songs and a whole lot of brand new uh, jingles. <laughs> Lots of new <laughs> jingles, obviously, as we've been playing here on the show. And uh, Fun! That one right there. Okay. All right, getting back into uh, things here on the show. Oh, by the way, submit your songs to bobseska.com slash music. Do not DM them to me. I won't open the DM if you DM your songs to me. I'm just saying. I got a couple of DMs with songs. I need you to submit those songs to bobseska.com slash music. It's kind of a semi-legal thing. Okay, thank you. Um, so Trump confessed to wanting to overturn the election via right. the Eastman memo strategy, which is the, uh, let's get Mike Pence to reject the electors and bring in these uh, forged electors. 
And uh, so this is all happening in the context of one of his presidential statements that no one wants to read. But it is important, I think, if we want to indict Donald. I mean, how can we talk about indicting Donald Trump? How can we talk about holding him accountable for his crimes if we never want to hear from Donald Trump? I mean, sometimes it's important to hear from him. It doesn't require retweeting all of his statements, obviously. We're not just randomly retweeting his stuff and saying, hey, look at this. He said something. That's not how it goes. But he said uh, in one of his statements yesterday, I believe, he said if uh, the vice president, and then in parentheses, Mike Pence. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> such a, such a doofus. That is so stupid. If uh, the vice president had absolutely no right to change the presidential election results in the Senate, despite fraud and many other irregularities, how come the Democrats and rhino Republicans like wacky Susan Collins, by the way, Susan Collins just saying on uh, the news the other day that uh, she's not ruling out voting for Trump if he runs again. Not likely, she said. Yeah. (laughs) And then right on the heels of that, Trump calls her wacky Susan Collins. Mm -hmm. So uh, good luck with that, Susan. Uh, (laughs) Rhino Republicans, Democrats, Susan Collins are desperately trying to pass legislation that will not allow the vice president to change the results of the election. Actually, what they are saying is that Mike Pence did have the right to change the outcome, and they now want to take that right away, which is wrong. Unfortunately, he didn't exercise that power. He could have overturned the election. So this is a public confession. We wanted to get Mike Pence. Everything that you read in the Eastman memo, that strategy, that's what Donald Trump wanted to do. He's saying it out loud right here. The uh, forged electors are looped into that entire strategy because you can't just throw out the electors in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Arizona and Georgia, et cetera, without replacing those electors with other electors. And those other electors were the forged electors. This is, once again, I I keep repeating this, but this is the absolute truth, so, so we're clear on what's going on here. This is a massive conspiracy to commit election fraud in not just one state or one precinct or one district. We're talking about at least seven states involving right. to a certain extent the vice president certainly involving the white house and the president himself the question of what did trump know and when did he know it is at least half answered i mean we know what trump knew we knew what he was involved with i mean we don't have the exact you know down to the millisecond times for all We've of these things but you know clear idea sure, at this sure. point it, it started, uh, at, well, I mean, it, it sort of worked from two sides inward, and Mike Pence is at the center of all this. Yeah. Uh, from the states, uh, these uh, seven Republican officials in seven states at least uh, engaged in an effort to uh, submit fraudulent electoral votes mm-hmm. to Mike Pence, or at least duplicates, uh, you know, con- uh, conflicting duplicates that, that Pence would then have to consider or throw out or whatever. Uh, but uh, then from the other side came the demonstration led by the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, followed by a lot of dumb people who just uh, heard the president needed them there. Yeah. And, and and all those people then converged on the Capitol and did the damage that they did. Uh, and, and their presence was to increase pressure on 
the center of the target, Mike Pence, to do what uh, they were hoping he would do with those phony uh, electoral ballots from from those states. So uh, this is a massive conspiracy. We have a pretty clear picture of it. Uh, the January 6th committee is going to do, a, I think, an incredible job of laying this out. It'll be like, I think it'll be as popular as Ozark. It'll be, people will be streaming it, uh, you know, because I think it's going to be that riveting. And that will get people's attention, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there will still be the whiners who say, ah, I'm sick of this, it's all politics. But, you know, the same thing happened with Nixon, and uh, the televised hearings made a huge difference. On the And I also think we should continue the pressure on uh, the Justice Department. We don't know what they're doing. It kind of looks like they're not doing much, but I think the public pressure is good. Uh, I'm starting to see people apply public pressure to Joe Biden, mm-hmm. to pressure Merrick Garland to, to deal with this. Uh, and, and I think that political pressure is helpful helpful too. I really think it's going to be a pretty exciting summer. You know, I've been thinking about what might be motivating Merrick Garland to drag his feet a little bit on this. And certainly he's a stickler for making sure you've got a solid case. We've seen examples of this in the past. Uh, The other thing I've been thinking about along those lines is that there may be some sort of um, old school patriotism boiling around in Merrick Garland's head. And what I mean by that is, I think Merrick Garland, by not just face first jumping into the very first investigation of a former president ever, I think short of that, he's concerned that by investigating a previous president, it's going to touch off this endless cycle of subsequent administrations uh-huh always investigating the previous administration. Therefore, maybe maybe what he's thinking is it's, it's going to cripple the presidency somehow. It's going to uh, cripple the Article II powers in the Constitution because no president there. is going to be able to operate if they're constantly under investigation or they will be under investigation after they're out of office. And so maybe there's that. I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that that's possibly one of the reasons why. He's just concerned about the precedent turning into a uh, a really toxic tradition going forward. Right. But the, the weight of the evidence is also pressuring yeah. uh, Garland to act. Uh, you know, this is a this is a crucial moment. It'll be interesting to see what he does. And again, yeah. I think the January 6th uh, hearings on uh, television will make a huge difference. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't understand, though, how he can constantly confess to this shit and not be immediately held accountable when it's very obviously a public confession. What do they think that, oh, well, this is just politics or this is just the performance art of being a, a public well, leader or something like that. Many and they voters just blow that off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, many voters do. Hey, fascinating things have come out. A lot of big news between Trump's speech over the weekend, and he also said that he would... Uh, I th- it, it, nobody's talking about this, or it isn't being discussed as much as I'd like to see. Yeah. Uh, Trump dangled pardons for the January 6th rioters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that is, in in my view, obstruction of justice because they have disincentivized those people from cooperating yes. with investigators. Yes. And that's an act of obstruction of justice. Oh, my and, God. And yes, exactly. Crim- criminally chargeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then there's his, his threat to, uh, uh, you know, violence in... Uh, at least three uh, major cities, mm-hmm. uh, Washington, Atlanta, and New York, yep. uh, and, and others, he said. Uh, and these are the cities where the prosecutors are going after him. Interesting that he chose 
the places where there are prosecutors going after him yeah. as the places that he wanted people to, to do the biggest demonstrations, the biggest protests that this country has ever seen. Bigger, it would uh, be safe to surmise, than than January 6th. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a real danger to what he's doing. And, and as for uh, this... Uh, little press release that he put out yesterday that people are upset about seeing on Twitter. Uh, in that, he he says that, uh, you know, Mike Pence could have overturned the election. He actually used the words overturned the election. You can reword that to say overturned the vote of the people mm-hmm. or overturned the will of the people. In other words, uh, Trump's statement of this week is about what happened on January 6th and it it goes to his motive. So yeah. I, in my mind, legally, it is relevant uh, to a prosecution of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Right, right. He said uh, at his rally, he said, if I run and I win, we will treat those people from January 6th fairly. We will treat them fairly, and if it requires pardons, we will give them pardons because they're being treated so unfairly. Oh, wow. Stop whining. But the problem is, if any of their lawyers... <laughs> actually believe Donald Trump, that Donald Trump will uh, live up to his word and pardon their clients if he's elected again. They're dumber than Trump if they think that. If they're saying, okay, well, look, you know, we're, we're cooperating with the FBI here, uh, but not anymore because Trump's going to give us a pardon if he gets elected. That's not going to happen. Trump is going to renege on that if he even runs. I don't even know if he's going to run. But uh, suffice to say, regardless of whether he does it, is still, as you said, obstruction of justice, yet another example of obstruction of justice. I mean, if he were already president and he was announcing that, then you're in more of a gray area. But he's not even president yet. So he's not only buying votes, you know, from all the people who support the insurrectionists, but who weren't necessarily arrested. But now he's also obstructing the investigation and prosecution of the insurrectionists, including perhaps people around him in his inner circle, Rudy Giuliani, some of the other Steve Bannon and so on. Um, who maybe on some level, as you said, are, are cooperating and maybe will stop cooperating based, oh, <laughs> based yeah, the on fact the that stupid, stupid promise that uh, may never come true. The, the fact that Mark Meadows, chief of staff, testified for the Jan 6 committee for six hours and didn't take the fifth once yeah. uh, tells me that he was able to share quite a lot of information. Now, I'll mm-hmm. bet he did that with Pence's blessing. Yeah. Pence may not want to show up, but Pence doesn't mind if his chief of staff goes mm-hmm. and spills the beans. Right. What's interesting about this is when it came to flipping the votes, uh, Pence said no. As evil as all of these people are, and every one of them is evil, yeah. but it, Pence said no when Trump went directly to William Barr and asked him if the Justice Department could seize the voting machines. Barr said no when uh, he sent Rudy Giuliani to approach both the Pentagon and Homeland Security, both even Ken Cuccinelli, that creep from Kansas, uh, from Homeland Security, even he said no. Uh, it's interesting that even the, the even the, the the slime that he's surrounded himself with yeah. is is willing to say no to him, and as we're seeing now, more and more uh, testify against him. And as for those seventy million people or whatever who supposedly who voted for Trump, I won't say supposedly seventy one million people who voted for Trump. As for them, I think that number has shrunk, and I think you're going to see it shrink 
a lot more over the summer. Yeah, with suffice, the hearings. suffice to say, a lot of these guys are being super duper duplicitous with their oh, yeah. public statements versus their private statements. So, Mark Meadows, for example, is going to go on Fox News Channel, talk a big fucking game about how, oh, Trump's being treated so unfairly. I'm being treated so unfairly. These insurrectionists, they didn't really do anything bad. You know, and then they go into private, or whether they're interviewed, deposed, et cetera, and it's blah, blah, blah. Holy shit, this was terrible, and I didn't get myself involved. I, right. here's, here's all the documents that you need. So it's like uh, the, the Red Hats don't understand that they're always being lied to by Donald Trump. The worst victim of Donald Trump's lies isn't necessarily us on the left. Right. It's, right. it's all of his supporters. They're the it's ones everyone, who are really. getting suckered by this professional con man. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, including Mike Pence, who continues to go along like the dutiful toady that he is, despite the fact that Trump in another statement over the past couple of days called for an investigation of Mike Pence. <laughs> you know, not only uh, Mike Pence, but also Nancy Pelosi. But he said right here, the unselect committee, and by the way, unselect, what does that even mean, unselect? That's it's not Trumpism. even, a, yeah, I, I, he thinks it's super duper clever, but there's no real reference there to, I don't know what he's talking about. Unselect <laughs> committee. He doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. Should be investigating why Nancy Pelosi did such a poor job of overseeing security and why Mike Pence did not send back the votes for recertification or approval and that it has now been shown that he clearly had the right to do so and he did not. That's... <laughs> So thanks. And Mike Pence, I assure you, Mike Pence will be kissing Trump's ass. He will be up there on oh, yeah. the debate yeah. dais uh, for that first pr big presidential debate. Maybe it's a year from now, year and a, a year and a half from now. There is and, one. Yeah. And he's going to be the one on that stage just puckering up. And that's going to be the whole thing. But everyone else, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Everyone else is going to be going after Trump. And the, one of the things that's keeping me in, in fine spirits, Buzz, okay. is <laughs> thinking ahead to those uh, Republican primaries. And the first time Donald Trump loses, which will hopefully be never because he won't run, but if he does end up running and he gets to, say, Iowa or New Hampshire and he loses... Uh -huh. The protests are going to rip the Republican Party in two. The people who uh, who are also running, whether it's you know Lindsey Graham or Marco Rubio or you know all the uh, Chris Christie and uh, Nikki Haley, they're all going to be going after Donald Trump. So I'll be really interested to see how. You know, I know I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I'm really interested to see how Donald Trump and his supporters, more importantly are going to handle that level of criticism and how they're going to handle Donald Trump losing primaries. Because this kind of leads us into in the next point of conversation, which is Donald Trump saying our elections are corrupt. Uh -huh. There is an upside to that statement. He said, if these radical, vicious, racist prosecutors do anything wrong or illegal, I hope we're going to have in this country the biggest protests we've ever had in Washington, D.C., as you were saying before, Buzz, New York, Atlanta, and elsewhere, because our country and our elections are corrupt. This is going to depress Republican turnout. I don't know to what extent, but if he's making his supporters, which are obviously all Republicans, if he's making them believe that, well, elections are corrupt, so why bother? 
then it's going to depress turnout to some extent. So we've got a real chance here. You were talking about last week, uh, yeah. uh, the, how we are in, in not such bad shape when it comes to gerrymandering this time around. Yeah, we're, we're looking to pick up seats in New York and California and elsewhere. Uh, so we have that going for us, and we have, I think. Uh, division and a lack of enthusiasm on the Republican Party. Oh, the Trumpsters are still uh, rabid. Uh, that that hasn't changed. But I, I think the overall enthusiasm uh, is down. And after uh, TV's hit miniseries this summer, uh, I, I think uh, it'll be down even further. Uh, th this is going to be, I think, uh, stock up on popcorn. Buy stock in popcorn. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be, a, and I hope I'm right, knock on all the goddamn wood. I think this midterm is going to uh, confound some of the experts in terms of the outcome. I think the Democrats are going to do better than we expect. Obviously, as you were saying, good news on the gerrymandering front. Also good news of the fact that Donald Trump, for some reason is convincing his people that elections are corrupt, so it's not even worth it to go out and vote. And getting booed by his people for promoting vaccines. Still, yeah. That's still a thing. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that one. So that's all great news. Hey, some yeah. bonus good news here on the show. See, I didn't think we had it in us today, or at least we, me. We, we owed this to the audience after last week's show. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's right. So, you know, it could end up uh, pretty good. We just have to, I think the, the, the magic piece of the puzzle here is democratic energy we just have to turn out and that's the that's going to be the key and my confidence I, I, in my fellow american is at an all-time low right now so i'm kind of sketchy on that if we have a worry in that regard, it's the people who have stopped paying attention because they're sick of it all. They think it's all the same. They don't understand. They don't. They don't understand. They don't because yeah. they don't know the details. They don't understand the seriousness of this. That's right. Uh, so you know, if anything's working against it, it's that. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, Democrats are highly motivated, especially those who are paying attention. Uh, so it's going to be our job to get everybody else out. Yes. But those who are paying attention are highly motivated by all the things we've seen and all mm -hmm. the things we've learned, and uh, we haven't forgotten any of it yeah we haven't we haven't forgotten the, any of it uh from the, the pandemic to police killings to the, you know how black lives matter was treated uh we, we haven't forgotten any of that mm -hmm. uh, and and those the, the abortion laws in texas these are the things that keep us fired up and and uh, underscore to us constantly the importance of not only voting ourselves this fall but taking some folks with us because we need the numbers so you ended up in a social media shovel fight about whether some of these remarks are in and of themselves illegal. When you're calling for an insurrection, uh, for example, is that illegal? Can you do that? Can you shout fire in a crowded movie theater is the uh, most often uh, cited metaphor. So, yeah. Yeah. So I retweeted a Fox News video in which it was said this of the infrastructure bill. If it was bipartisan, it would have passed by now. And that statement was made on Fox News after it had already passed with a bipartisan vote, including 19 Republican senators and 13 Republican representatives. Yeah. I retweeted it, uh, this, this article, with the headline, Fox News Lies. Yeah. And I was then retweeted by somebody who said they wish there was a way to shut down Fox News. And I, I responded, there are actually several ways. Uh, and this is, a, this is important, I think, because 
of the disinformation world that we live in, whether it's about democracy or the pandemic or climate change, we are, our biggest enemy is this disinformation. Yeah. Uh, and so I say there are actually several ways to, to shut down Fox News. Uh, <laughs> one, pressure cable companies to stop carrying it. Mm -hmm. uh, continued lawsuits against Fox News for its lies. And yeah. legislation to regulate cable companies like the airwaves. <laughs> and uh, uh, this uh, woman, uh, Elizabeth Groton is her name, uh, uh, her handle is like at E. Groton, which I read as Egg Rotten. But uh, anyway, Egg Rotten replies, uh, any such regulation would violate the First Amendment. No, no, and that's a friend, a, a, friend of hers, a friend of hers chimes in, Fox News is a cable network, not a TV station. The FCC has no oversight over cable channels. I reply, that could change. Mm-hmm. That's Egg Rotten, true. Egg Rotten, Egg Rotten replies, it could not without violating 1A. 1A, say, the First Amendment, free speech, right? I say, right. I say keep defending the propagandists. We see your stripes. Yeah. <laughs> and I ask her for her credentials and evidence to support her claims because I found none in her bio. Yeah. Uh, this one, and then it got ugly and she started answering with memes and this one all. And she kept tagging other people into the conversation oh, no. so she could get, you know, she was calling the gang together to beat up on me. <laughs> uh, and and so I, I tweeted a series of laws from Ohio and California uh, that clearly state that it is illegal to do such a thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they argued that no, but courts have ruled that. Uh, that's not a violation of uh, you know the, that it is free speech and and it was and there are recent cases that that belie that uh, the the Dominion uh, voting systems lawsuit against Fox News very successful uh, you know uh, there have been other uh, such uh, cases here recently uh, where uh, you know you can't do prior restraint but there have been. Uh, uh, cases where the, we were beginning to rule against people who argue that uh, yelling falsely, yelling fire in a crowded theater, mm -hmm. is uh, is against the law. Uh, and these people, there's a whole website, there's a whole uh, Twitter page. I think it's called "Bad Fire in a Theater Takes," and its whole purpose is to tamp down this idea that falsely yelling fire in a theater is illegal <laughs> and and they'll even go as far as to say even if it causes harm <laughs> uh and, and so this went on and and it was a shovel fight and she started pulling lawyers in and stuff conservative lawyers who were arguing this i i bring this up so you'll know that there's a a, a group of people out there some of them claiming to be liberals who are such adherents to the First Amendment, they're so strict in their interpretation of it that they don't understand that it has curbs, just like the Second Amendment. Yes. And so what I found out is that there are First Amendment nuts just like there are Second Amendment nuts, mm -hmm. and they do the same thing. They, 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 they try to use those amendments to support their point of view and always fail to recognize, whether it's the Second Amendment or the First Amendment, failing to recognize that both have curbs. Yeah, and don't get us wrong, we're absolutely defending free speech. It's imperative that we defend free speech. And I've been a, a strong of defender course. of free speech. I think we, we both, both have. have. Yes. You know, we both uh, have at one time in our life been card-carrying uh, uh, licensees of the FCC <laughs> and been yes. on the radio and felt the... Uh, the awful sting of uh, regulations handed down on free mm -hmm. speech by
by the FCC against broadcasters. We've all been in that place. We've certainly been in a place where standards and practices have told us what we can and can't say in the context of a uh, broadcast, or in my case, a cable cast program. Uh, when it comes to my uh, animated TV show, I did a while yes, back. even I know it's shocking, but even cable has standards. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, um, and you know, look, I also understand too that um, government regulation of free speech gets into kind of a, a sketchy area and an area that on the surface can seem a little bit scary. But what we're talking about most of the time when it comes to Fox News Channel, for example, is public outcry forcing the hand of the money people to pull the plug on something like Fox News Channel. Right, and right. that you That's know what, the real way. And you know what that is, strangely enough? That's the free market deciding. Yeah. We're exercising our rights to free speech ourselves. This is where you get into the weird territory uh, a lot of stand-up comics are constantly complaining about. A lot of stand-up comics think that while they're standing on stage, they're the only ones who get to enjoy free speech. The audience, no, no, no. You don't get to exercise your free speech. If you see something that's offensive, you don't get to say what you want to say. That's not free speech ab absolutism. That's restrictions on free speech by people who claim to enjoy free speech. I'm getting a little far afield on this, but the point is that when you're talking about people debating other people about what is right and wrong to say in public, yeah. that's not a violation of the First Amendment. That may be some form of censorship, yes, but it's not a violation of the First Amendment because the First Amendment, as we all know, discusses government regulation of speech and assembly and religion and press and so on. Um, so there is a big difference. And but, in, but even yeah. but even then, I it's I you know I and I wonder about this, and I realize I'm getting into that gray area there. But if uh, a a law a, a lie is published or broadcast, yeah, yeah. If a lie is published or broadcast, and that lie does actual harm. If you can prove that it's a lie and you can prove that it does harm, mm -hmm. uh, that should be finable. That should yeah. be punishable. Uh, the punishment could include, you know, any number of, of things. Uh, you know, you, you can't yank the license of a, of a cable uh, company, I don't suppose. But uh, there are things you, you could do uh, that I think would be perfectly reasonable, just yep. as we have uh, gun laws. We, mm -hmm. there, are, we, there are gun laws. Believe it or not, they're not getting the job done, but we have gun laws. Uh, you could have uh, dangerous speech laws as well i don't see why not yeah yeah should someone be able to get on fox news channel and say all right get your guns we're going to shoot dr fauci today because as it stands they could do that yeah well if you're a free speech absolutist you go well yeah that's their right they can say mm -hmm. that if they yep. want to yeah. no no game. no that's where yeah. we're drawing the line with calling for the deaths of other people on uh, whether it's public airways whether it's cable uh whether it's the internet etc I ended my debate with all of these people saying, then we will die on this hill. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of it. So none of these rights enumerated in the Bill of Rights, certainly not in the entire menu of constitutional amendments, uh, none of these are absolute, and they have never been intended to be right. 1,000% absolute. There are some and things that are very obviously absolute, like no more slavery and... You know, black people get to vote, women get to vote, on down the line. Those are absolute. But when you're talking about things like speech and assembly, I mean, you say the insurrection was just, well, they're just practicing their right to uh, freedom of assembly in the First Amendment? No, that's, that's insane to say that. 
But yeah. this goes back to your remarks about lost civility uh, mm. earlier in the show. Yeah. Uh, we've lost sight also of the fact that with rights come responsibilities. That's it right. like something your dad would say, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, but uh, and and also the you know your right to swing at my face ends with you know with, your face. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you you can't you can't do that. You know, anytime yeah, yeah. you your insistence on your own rights infringes upon the rights of others, then no, you, your action is not protectable mm -hmm. uh, by the Constitution. Sounds like you uh, actually ended up stumbling onto a nest of libertarians, which uh, yeah, uh, libertarians are just Republicans you block on Twitter. So that was... Uh, <laughs> I, I used to say uh, libertarians are Republicans in sheep's clothing, but, <laughs> but I've true. modified that. I saw a tweet that's better than that. It said uh, libertarian means asshole. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess that's if you if you boil it all that's, down, that's what that's it is. That's much better. That's yeah, a yeah. much clearer definition. I right, think. libertarianism is uh, is like Scientology for politics. Okay, well, getting on with things here. If you're only listening to the free portion of the Bob Seska Show right here on oh, Apple oh, Podcasts oh. and so on, you're only hearing the first hour. There's an additional 20 minutes of show after the end credits roll uh, at the end of every Tuesday and Thursday show. It's all happening right now on our Patreon page. Don't miss out. I'm talking about the Shadow Docket. It's at uh, patreon.com slash Show or very simply Show.com. It's completely uncensored, commercial-free. It's a continuation of all the fun and news, and it's only going to cost you pennies per episode. Shadow Dockets drop every Tuesday. Tuesday and Thursday after the free shows, and they're only going to cost you $5 per month. And you're going to be supporting this fully independent podcast. Don't miss out. Again, it's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it, send it to all your friends, and we thank you. Bob Seska plays more music. Brilliant genius track from his uh, Orphans album. This goes back a couple of years. Michael-McDermott.com, link in the description of BobSuska.com under this episode. Oh, God, just another have good you, one. Uh, yeah. yeah, have you stocked up, have you and Kimberly stocked up on bread, milk, and toilet paper? Are you ready for this next storm? <laughs> we always have bread, milk, and toilet paper. Actually, <laughs> in fact, I've got an Instacart. Uh, why am I saying Instacart on the show? Don't use Instacart. I'm just saying I'm using Instacart. I'm not advertising Instacart. And now I've said it like four times. Uh, <laughs> but this check should be arriving momentarily. <laughs> suffice to say, a guy with some groceries is showing up any minute now. Hopefully, with uh -huh. all of them. Yeah, no weird, weird substitutions. I hope. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna get uh, what more snow here coming up. Yeah, I think you. I think <laughs> you're in for some. Wonderful, yeah. my favorite. Uh, Trump was directly involved with the plan to seize voting machines, more so than we had known before, uh, six weeks after Election Day. With his hold on power slipping, Trump directed uh -huh. his lawyer, Giuliani, to make a remarkable call, 
Mr. Trump wanted him to ask the Department of Homeland Security <laughs> if it could legally take control of voting machines in key swing did he, states. Do we know? Did he call the post office? Did, we, did he try that one? God, I don't know. The, I, I know. There was few a few agencies left untouched. There was a phone message on my machine. Is it, can you do it? I mean, they had worked their way all the way down to podcasters. Yeah, late November, Trump goes to Barr and says, uh, you know, can DOJ seize the machines? Barr says, no. Yeah, and so uh, Trump goes to Rudy, like I said, and uh, first sends Rudy to the Department of Defense, mm -hmm. and they say no, and then he sends him to Homeland Security, and they say no, and now he's now he's stuck. I'm surprised he didn't turn up at, at back of the White House with like magic beans he bought from a goblin somewhere. I mean, you send Rudy Giuliani out to do anything, you know? Do you think it's going to work, Rudy Giuliani? It's almost like Donald Trump wanted the plan to fail. Hey, who? Who should be the linchpin in this scheme to overturn the election? Hey, why don't we get Rudy? Because whenever he gets involved, it always works out, doesn't it? Take, for example, that press conference at the Four Seasons. That worked perfectly. So uh, let's get Ukraine him. thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's get him talking to DOD and Homeland Security. See if he can get them to seize these voting machines. Shocking that that plan failed right <laughs> well it's a great relief because like i said you know bar's a creep uh cuccinelli's a creep uh it, it, we know giuliani's a creep it's amazing that that somebody didn't say yes they they could have but what if they had i mean that's how close we came and that's the point of this and that's part of this riveting story that'll be laid out on tv this summer that's right uh, again more evidence of a massive conspiracy to commit voter fraud it's like, it's like hiring the Three Stooges to fix your plumbing. What do you think is going to happen when they show up? Suddenly, Curly's in a cage of pipes and water's springing out of the this, stove. and the. <laughs> this house has sure gone crazy. Oh, God. <laughs> Meanwhile, his practice, Trump's practice of tearing up official documents, violated the Presidential Records Act. I think we've had this conversation before. Oh, I love this story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we knew going back a couple of years that when he would receive a note about something or write something down he would just take that note and almost doing like you know like a vo guy where they record a script and they, they just drop the script as they go drop the pages of the script but onto the floor he would just I, take it and throw it in the garbage crumble it up I, I, and Sometimes, yeah. I mean, he had various approaches to this. I, I, this story fascinates me. Sometimes there were occasions he actually ate the paper. There were occasions Yum. where he, he tore up the paper, he just tore it in half and threw it on the floor. There were other occasions where he would take a document and tear it into many little pieces yeah. and throw it on the floor. <laughs> and uh, the White House records people then would just sweep this stuff up and tape it all back together and mm -hmm. send it over to the National Archives, as is required by law. Right. Uh, presidential rates of crime to destroy presidential records. They are uh, government property. And it, it is a serious crime to destroy or damage government property. And that's exactly what Trump was doing. And and this is the my favorite part, the kicker part of this story, is uh, so the National, the National Archives gets these documents that have been taped back together <laughs> and some that weren't. They got, they actually got piles of, pieces of paper that weren't taped back together. God damn it. And I don't know if somebody, I presume somebody over at Archives is is now taping those back together as well mm -hmm. uh, so they can go into the records. But And these many of these were the documents that Trump didn't want the January 6th committee to see and now happily supplied to the Jan 6th committee by Archives. This is absolutely mens rea if you know that uh, <laughs> legal term. That's a real thing and it's basically knowledge of wrongdoing. He's got right. consciousness of guilt and Right. Tearing up those pages indicates to me 
big time mens rea. That's the intention or knowledge of wrongdoing that constitutes part of a crime. That's exactly what he was engaged in. We can't let anyone see this, so I'm going to throw this away. And eating the fucking documents is hilarious yes. to me. Indicates that to me that he'll just he'll eat anything, <laughs> whether I mean, it's hamburgers, you know, big beautiful well, chocolate cake, and also very it, important documents. In his defense, he was getting fiber. So <laughs> Lord knows that man needs fiber. <laughs> no, Mr. This, President, potatoes this, don't have fiber. Sorry. I, I can see this in a TV show or a movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, a president who tears these things up and these people taping taping the pieces back together. <laughs> God damn right. Destroying these documents could be a crime under several statutes that make uh -huh. it a crime to destroy government property if that uh -huh. was the intent of the defendant. And obviously, <laughs> duh, that's his intent. A president does not own the records generated by his own administration. The definition right. of presidential records is broad. Trump's own notes to himself could qualify, and destroying them could be the criminal destruction of government property. Right. Yes, yet another crime right there. So add that to the list. <laughs> yeah. We'll get him. In the end, all these crimes he's committed, in the end, one will get him for his littering. Yeah, yeah. So you know what? Look, I'm not one of those let's attack Merrick Garland on every last thing, but... Mr. Mr. Attorney General, hello? Yeah. Any, attack anyone there? No. Hello? A attack no, continue to pressure yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, I just, I've got this feeling, Buzz, that yep. one of these mornings we're going to wake up, there will have been a pre-dawn raid, <laughs> and we'll uh, get the news that uh, a, a full-blown investigation of Donald Trump is underway at DOJ, um, and uh, and that'll be that. The cameras that's, that's were rolling. Hopeful. That's me being hopeful. I'm the cameras were rolling as a nude Donald Trump was escorted from Mar-a-Lago this morning <laughs> by federal agents. Oh, God. That'll be a fun, fun day. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, meantime, Atlanta's top prosecutor asked the FBI for security assistance a day after Trump called on his supporters to hold the biggest protest we have ever had in places where he is being investigated. We're talking about right. Fonnie Willis here, who I was mistakenly calling Fannie Willis. It's Fonnie Willis. We made a note of it. Oh, and you know what? God, I almost, I almost forgot something. On Thursday's show, I want to be sure, now that I remember this, I want to be sure to get this out. On Thursday's show... We we're talking about Sarah Palin going to that restaurant with active right. COVID. Right. I compared that to fighting an MMA, I don't know what they call it, boxing match. Yes. <laughs> an yeah. MMA fight while having full-blown AIDS. And uh -huh. someone uh, sent me a DM to remind me that uh, the meds being used right now are severely restricting the possibility of getting AIDS in, yes. in that way. So I, I want to apologize for not making sure to uh, to note that development in uh, in drug treatments and so on. So uh, I just wanted to mention that here on the show and uh, and kind of correct the uh, the record on all of that. But uh, getting back into this, um, yeah, uh, about those prosecutors, yes, uh, and about those cities that Trump mentioned, yeah, uh, he he said he wanted uh, the biggest uh, uh, protest this country has ever seen in New York, Atlanta, and uh, and uh, help me out here, I'm sorry, Washington, yeah. Uh, I think that it's interesting and notable that the pros the three prosecutors in those three locations are all black. Yeah, Two of them yeah. black women, one of them a black male in in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Um you know and and for him to call 
those prosecutors racist, which he essentially did. Yes, he did. Uh, is also triggering the white supremacists mm -hmm. uh, to, to rise up and to lead uh, those biggest demonstrations the country's ever seen. We know exactly what he was saying. When he said protests, he doesn't mean protests. He means physical intimidation. That's what he's looking for, and that's what he's going to support. When it happens, he's not going to distance himself from it. So right. Fonnie Willis and, for that matter, Letitia James, for that mm -hmm. matter, the district attorney in Manhattan, mm -hmm. for that matter, the 1-6 committee, for that matter, the Department of Justice, they need to be, uh, you know, on full alert as far as preventing another insurrection, preventing another uh, guy who's going to go around with pipe bombs or whatever uh, that whole aspect of the caper happened to be. This is something that is real. These people are activated. And this goes back to what I was initially saying at the top of the show, Buzz. This is why... I, and I'm saying we, we don't have to look at everything he says. We don't have to pick apart every last thing Donald Trump farts into the wind. But when he says something like he said with regards to uh, floating pardons, when he says he, he, he's making threats uh, against Fonnie Willis and Letitia James and the 1-6 committee, we need to take that seriously. We need yeah, to look public, at his words. Yes. Making public threats is, is serious. Uh, and it is worth noting. It is important to note uh, his remarks about pardoning the January 6th rioters because it absolutely speaks to his intent. The statement that he put out that Mike Pence could have overturned the election yeah. absolutely speaks to his motives mm -hmm. in uh, the crime for which he is being investigated. That's right. Uh, we just have to get this story out there, and I believe soon we will because it's – and it's quite a it's a quite a page-turner. It's – it's a yeah. story to tell, for sure. And what are we going to do? Are we going to wait until there's a, a credible threat against Fonnie? I imagine there have already been lots sure. of credible threats against Fonnie Willis. I mean, right. suffice to say, she's been mostly off the radar, not anymore. In fact, I was just saying a couple of weeks ago, I'm amazed how off the radar Fonnie Willis actually is. And, and by the way, <laughs> I'm just noticing how late in the show we are. <laughs> No, we, well, it's because we have so much fun. We get, that's we get wrapped up in the, exactly right. Yeah, wrapped up in the topics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, she's on the docket now, unfortunately. So there should be things to do before yeah. it's too late to do it, those it, things. It is significant that she made this plea for help publicly, and yeah. by calling in the JTTF, the Joint Terrorism Task Force, JTTF. Uh, <laughs> They uh, this calls attention uh, to this matter uh, from all law enforcement agencies, city, state, county, local, uh, because they're all part of that joint terrorism task force. Yep. So she's alerting all law enforcement at all levels of government, and she's doing it publicly. And I think she will get uh, the cooperation of JTTF. Yeah, and a lot of these uh, weekend warriors, these militia cosplayers and so on, we're talking about, as you said, we're talking about uh, a black women here, and there's no doubt that things are afoot to attack them in some way, to sabotage, at the very least, to pull some kind of physical intimidation to get them to back off. Because if there's one thing, or if there's a couple of things standing in the way of Donald Trump becoming president again, it's these investigations. And Fonnie Willis, and I feel like we're suddenly burying the lead on all this, Fonnie Willis came right out and said she's conducting a criminal investigation of Donald Trump. Yes, that's huge in itself. Yeah, I think this it's is been the, a busy twenty. It's been a busy forty-eight hours for news. It really, really has, evidenced by the fact that we're uh, we're running late on the show <laughs> here today. But the, the fact remains that I think 
Fonnie Willis might be, and I could be uh, correctable on this, so uh, forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, but Fonnie Willis could be the first government official at some level to publicly announce the investigation of a former president. I don't think that's ever happened before. I I think it's a safe statement to make. Yeah. Letitia James investigating the Trump organization, which is not specifically Donald Trump himself. It's the the corporation. civil case. This is is an openly stated criminal case. Yeah. And the only other question I would have then, has the New York, the Manhattan district attorney, defined his investigation as a criminal investigation. I'm not sure if that's happened yet, but... I would think so. Yeah, but I think this is the first time, uh, at least at least this time around, this is the first time uh, a public official has done this. And so that's... Uh, she deserves all of our support on this. If we're interested in bringing Donald Trump to justice, she's going to be, uh, I think, at the top of my list, at least, in terms of who's going to be the first to indict Donald Trump. And I think uh, I think she could be it in Fulton County. I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. I hope she gets that protection. Lordy, there are tapes, too, by the way. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and not just the tape. Frank Vergluzzi <laughs> said on Twitter today that, uh, Lordy, there is scotch tape. When he was talking about the <laughs> rebuilding of those documents for the archives. I love it. Okay, the uh, Shatter Docket Show is coming up next. Lots more to talk about. And it's all happening on our Patreon page. BobSeskaShow.com is the address. Just go there, sign up for $5 a month. You're going to get two Shadow Docket shows every damn week at the end of the Tuesday show, the end of the Thursday show. You get insider knowledge of what we're talking about, what we're thinking far beyond the scope of the free show. So don't miss out. FOMO is real. We'll see you over there, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody.